You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto Podcast, where you'll learn advanced strategies, tactics, and tips for actually selling your music. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Now, here's your host, John Ojaka. All right, yeah, John Ojaka here, and thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about music licensing. Now, before we get into that, uh, just a couple of things. One, if you haven't already, be sure to connect with me and Music Marketing Manifesto, uh, both on Facebook and Twitter. And uh, while we're at it, why not Periscope? Uh, you can uh, uh, find me on Facebook at uh, that's facebook.com forward slash Music Marketing Manifesto. And a little bit more difficult to spell. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. Uh, my username is at uh, John Ojaka. So again, that's twitter.com forward slash John Ojaka. And rather than bore you with the spelling of my last name, um, you can just Google it or head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com where you can find uh, all of my social links there on the right-hand sidebar of the site. Um, and yeah, while you're at it, connect with me on a Periscope because that is something that I look to be uh, using more for Music Marketing Manifesto and hope to hold a few impromptu chats about music marketing in the very near future. So be sure to connect with uh, me there. Um, one more related sort of uh, update news item, whatever you want to call it. I, I actually have a new product in the works uh, as far as a release date. I don't uh, know exactly when that's going to be. It's called the Record Release Formula, and it's going to be a pretty heavy-duty course that really goes uh, into the step-by-step -step of releasing a record. So uh, most of you listening to this know I have a course called Music Marketing Manifesto. It's in its third uh, incarnation. It's the 3.0 edition that's out there at the moment. And that teaches you really the fundamentals of direct uh, response marketing or direct-to-fan marketing, uh, as it's often referred to in music and art circles. So uh, and, and it focuses on teaching you how to set up a system to grow your fan base and ultimately sell your music to your fans. And that's going to be a part of the record release formula. But what we're going to be doing is using a campaign that I worked on and talked about to some extent uh, with an artist that you've probably heard of uh, by now, if you've been listening to me for a while, Genova Magnus. Uh, her album actually debuted at number five on Billboard's Blues chart. Uh, it was the number one record at Blues Radio for much of last summer. And I was the marketing director on that campaign. So while I'm not the course is not going to be a step-by-step -step on how to do exactly what Genova did because, you know, there really is no one-size-fits-all campaign, but rather we're going to be using that as a sort of framework to uh, teach you how to release a successful independent uh, album. We're going to be constantly referencing that campaign, interviewing a number of the different players that were involved in that campaign, and then teaching you really the theory behind each one of those decisions and uh, helping to point you in the right direction. So again, it's going to be meaty because there is a lot that goes into the release of an independent record. Uh, we've got radio and press and, of course, direct-to-fan marketing. There are release schedules and strategies and pre-orders and upsells and all kinds of stuff to really take into consideration. And uh, the course, the goal of the course, it's still I'm still literally creating it as we speak, but uh, the, the goal of the course is to be really a complete and thorough how-to uh, for uh, musicians who are looking to release their own music, their own albums, and could use a little guidance. So um, keep an eye out uh, for that. I'm hoping to have it out sometime in October, but uh, these things are, you know, until, until it's done and in my hands, nothing is ever certain, but do keep an eye out for that. So with that out of the way, uh, today we are going to be talking to Ali Handel. Ali is one of the co-founders of Triple Scoop Music, and Triple Scoop Music is a music licensing company that really specializes or, or focuses on serving photographers and filmmakers. Uh, and this is part of what seems to be a bit of a growing trend over the last uh, few years where we see these music licensing companies emerging that are really working to serve one particular niche audience. So unlike some of these bigger songs libraries that we've all uh, seen out there that have you know hundreds of thousands of songs in them and the quality really varies uh, we see these more boutique agencies emerging like triple scoop music who again focus on us uh, on serving a specific niche and are a bit I think uh, it's fair to say more exclusive uh, when it comes to who they let into their uh, network and really the quality of the music that they are sort of requiring from their artists and so I asked Ali to join us 
us in this podcast so that she could, again, really uh, address what is a very popular subject amongst musicians, uh, which is music licensing. So she's going to do that. She's going to tell you about her company, what they do, and uh, really just give us some insight into the process of going out there and getting your music licensed. Um, I also did, I put a, a, a post or two out there on Facebook and Twitter asking you guys to submit any questions that you had for Allie, and I got a number of questions uh, from you all, so thanks for that, and uh, nearing the end of the interview, I'm going to run those questions by Allie, so stay tuned for those as well. Uh, I think we're ready to jump in right now. I've actually got Allie on the line. Allie, thanks for being on the call today. No problem, John. Awesome. So, well, you know, obviously I've, I've said a bit already, but why don't you tell everyone listening uh, about Triple Scoop Music, what it is that you guys do, and more importantly, how uh, a service like yours can help independent musicians. Sure. We founded Triple Scoop Music in 2006. Um, it's a company that is founded and run by musicians, for musicians. And we're the leading music licensing service to professional photographers, event filmmakers, which is kind of a fancy word for videographers, and tens of thousands of creative businesses worldwide. So we work with companies like Google and Microsoft, Nikon, Canon, and companies that large down to mom-and-pop professional photography businesses. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe for, you know, obviously many people listening to this know the distinctions, but why don't you just kind of draw the dis- uh, a few distinctions of terms? You know, what separates you from maybe uh, uh, just a more generic music library or even a publishing house? You know, what is music yeah. licensing specifically? Yeah, well, with, pub- with a publishing company, generally they take some of your publishing in exchange for their services, hopefully in marketing your music, getting your songs into the hands of other recording artists and, you know, maybe placements, depending on what kind of deal you have. Um, with a licensing company like ours, the artist retains ownership of all their copyrights, all their masters. They're simply licensing and allowing us to try to get uses for their song, but they are always in control and, you know, control of their copyright. Um, so we don't, you know, we generate income for them on a non-exclusive basis. So they can do whatever they want with their recordings and their songs um, while they're working with us. And not all companies work that way. Gotcha. And uh, Triple Scoop Music uh, specifically focuses on the photography industry. How did that come about? Because, you know, when most people, I think, think music licensing, they think television and film. And more and more, at least uh, in my circles, you know, in the sort of more industry circles, it seems to be that the the real opportunities or at least the new opportunities out there uh, seem to be with a lot of these more niche services that are cropping up to offer uh, music licensing opportunities to very specific niche. So how did you uh, go, you know, how did it come to be that you started focusing on photographers? And can you speak a little bit about that, this sort of more recent development of niche services in the music licensing space? Sure, yeah. When we were starting to talk about starting a music licensing company back about 10 years ago, um, my founders and I, we, we all had had good experiences in licensing our music to film and television. Um, but we had found that over the last couple of years, that we, you know, we've been experiencing smaller and smaller licensing fees and less, you know, fewer opportunities. So we were wondering, what could we do in the licensing space where we had had some good success with our music? Um, where could we find other opportunities for income? Um, and it took us a while, but we found this niche of professional photographers, which is how we started out. Um, but over the years, you know, we've been in business now for nine years, we've really branched out to working with event filmmakers, which is videographers. Um, we now have licenses for nonprofit organizations, indie film festivals, small business licenses, corporate licenses, um, you know, webisode licenses, real estate, all kinds of different things. Um, but that real niche market even those other um, branches that we're getting into are still not film and television primarily because there are so many people who have been in that industry for 20, 30 years, and it's an industry of relationships. I mean, 
pretty much all industries are industries of relationships, especially within the music industry. And we just felt when we started, you know, nine years ago, we didn't want to try to compete with people who already had long-standing connections in that area. We just thought, well, why don't we find our own little niche? And, and that's kind of where we started building the company from. Gotcha. Great. Um, you know, one of the things, well, at least as I see it, there are probably three main channels uh, or, or of revenue that independent musicians can earn. I, I hope I'm not leaving anything out. And, you know, there's touring, obviously, live shows. And the area that I focus on is sales, direct sales, selling your mm-hmm. um, yeah. m- music and merch. And then, of course, there is licensing. And it's a, it's a huge piece of the pie. And I know yeah. a fair number of musicians who are really only generating uh, income in that in that uh, area in the licensing arena. Um, and But it's not something that I personally know a lot about, at least on a strategic level. It's, I've unfortunately still got uh, Sony Music owns my publishing and I'm, my masters are all owned by labels and it's just this whole big uh, mess of a, of a legal situation to the point that I never even really look into it or pursue it. I just don't want to deal with it. Um, but, but it's a question that there's probably not a day that passes where I don't, you know, find at least one email in my inbox asking me, how do I get my music license or some variation on that question? So let's, let's uh, setting triple scoop aside for a moment and we'll come back and talk more about triple scoop in a bit, but, uh, setting your company specifically aside from a bit, imagine you've got a musician sitting across from you and they say, okay, I've got some recordings, uh, I realize that there's money to be made out there in music licensing, but I really don't know anything about it. How do I get my music licensed? What should I do? You know, what is your advice yeah. for that musician? Yeah, well, I mean, part of it depends on what kind of music they make, what kind of recordings they have. Um, you know, certain types of things do better with different services. So, you know, my first suggestion is always to ask your friends and um fellow singer-songwriters, fellow performing artists, recording artists, you know, people who are already having success with their music, who are they working with? You know, I've always felt like that was a a very good place to start and and start with those companies because those companies are working for somebody and somebody that you know and you may have something in common with. And, you know, personal recommendations, you know, some companies, they can carry a lot of weight. Other companies, it's really all about the music. So, you know, yeah, it's good and bad, I guess, right? Um, once you've exhausted that route, you can certainly open up your browser and type <laughs> in, you know, best music licensing companies or, you know, non-exclusive music licensing companies and see what you find because there are so many companies, you know, ranging from companies that are on the smaller side and more boutique to huge, you know, companies like, you know, Getty Images um, now you know, offers not only royalty-free images, but also royalty-free music. And and there's a difference between a royalty-free company and a company like Triple Stick Music and and a lot of other licensing companies. There are definite distinctions. Um, Sometimes it's just a terminology thing, and sometimes it's a real difference in the licensing agreement that you sign. So you always want to look at that licensing agreement very carefully. yeah, always suggest, you know, of course, legally, it's always best to have a lawyer look at it. Um, I've been doing it myself, you know, for myself for, for so long. I can usually tell if it looks good to me, you know, without having a lawyer, but I would never tell anybody else not to have their lawyer look at it just for, you know, just to cover yourself, especially if you don't have any experience with that. But, you know, different companies do have different splits. Um some are 50-50 or close to that. Some are not quite as close to that, and usually the company takes more. Um, so you want to make sure you understand what that split is before you sign anything. Um, some companies are non-exclusive, which means you can submit your song to that company, and they'll be working your song as well as other companies um, and at the same time. Whereas an exclusive licensing company, once you send your song to them, um, either for a period of time or in perpetuity, depending on what that contract says, they will be the only ones allowed to uh, work with that song. So you also want to be very careful that you know what you're signing and make sure that if, if you are signing something that has exclusivity, that you know exactly what the term is, what, you know, all the parameters before you sign that agreement. 
Gotcha. And what about boutique versus some of these larger libraries that are out there? What's important? Um, you know, it really just depends on what you're comfortable with as an artist. Some are, you know, I would highly suggest checking out the website, check out how the artists and the songs are represented. Um, you know, does it, do you vibe with it? Does it, you know, and have you heard good things about it from your friends and other people who've had experience working with that company? I always think that's a, a great barometer. Um, you know, there are companies that have hundreds of thousands of songs. Um, they may also, you know, there are companies that deal just in songs, which is what Triple Scoop Music does. There are other companies that will license songs as a, in addition to, you know, five-second little snippets, 30-second, you know, and they're gearing more towards advertising and, and different kinds of placements than, say, my company will be. So there's, there's, there's a place for everything, really. Um, just, it just depends on what you particularly have um, and what you have to license and what that company's specialty is. And it's good to find out before you put a lot of effort into submitting music. Um, you know, this can take a long time, depending on what, you know, what that particular company's process is, to get everything sorted and labeled appropriately. And you want to make sure that it's going to likely be a good fit for you. Right, right. And again, just to sort of recap and make sure I understand it. So what you're saying is literally after you've asked your friends if they have any companies to recommend, you turn to Google, you literally just type in music licensing services, best licensing, music licensing services, non-exclusive music licensing services, and start making a list of any company that looks De half decent and you're looking for and, at least yeah. in your opinion non-exclusive deals splits that are at least close to 50 50 uh yeah. and uh, ideally smaller companies rather than large so that you don't get lost in the shuffle is that about the size that's of it what i would do. yeah that's what i would do personally you know um yeah it's just, it's, it, there are, you'll, you'll see when you start looking at different companies websites you know some are organized better than others, and so, you know, right, right. some might have done another same business, but, you know, everybody has their own market, and, you know, if you see other artists on there that look compatible with you, that could be a good sign, you know, even, right. you know, it really just depends on what kind of music you have and, you know, what kind of clients that service has, because that sure. can make a big difference. Sure, sure. You met, you mentioned doing a lot of this before starting your own company. Is, how much of this is a numbers game? Are we expected to submit our music to a hundred different sites? Are we only going to three or four different sites? Like, what is your advice on that front? How wh how many sites are is one um, should one be looking to submit their music to? In your opinion? Yeah, I gosh. I certainly myself personally don't have my music on a hundred different sites. <laughs> right. Um, sure. I think if you can find, you know, three or four that are doing a good job for you, I think you're ahead of the game, honestly. Right. Uh, there are so many companies out there, um, and some overlap in their clientele and customer, like the type of customers they want, um, and some don't. Like, you know, you could be working with Triple Stick Music, who primarily does not do film and TV unless it happens to fall in our lap, which it does occasionally, but that's not something we're like going after every day. You won't want to have your songs with a company that every single day is going after television and film, you know, because that's a whole other area. Um, you know, and there's advertising and, and there's there's all different kinds of, you know, there's film trailers if that's something you do gaming. You know, depending right. on the kind of music that you make, you know, or the kind of composer that you are, you may want to have a company that especially, you know, if you're working with non-exclusive companies, you may want to have companies that have, you know, their main focus of business in a, in a different area. That could be really beneficial. Sure, sure. Well, let's talk about the music a little, a little bit. Uh, what does one need to know about uh, what they need to be bringing to the table as artists? You know, what state does the music need to be in? How much music do they need? Uh, are, how important are genres? Are there genres that do better than others and so forth? You know, let's, let's, let's start there. Let's just start at the quality of the music. Yeah, well, in terms of the quality, the most important thing, no matter what the genre is, is that the recording quality has to be at master level, like completely 100% professional, could be played on the radio, master quality recording. 
And that goes for instrumentals, too. If you have vocal songs that you want to make instrumental mixes, which I highly encourage, because often those will get licensed a lot more than your vocal songs, make sure they're mastered instrumentals, and you may get a lot of play from that. So, always, you know, I can't tell you how many times we hear incredible vocal songs with the vocal either is just the lyrics are totally not usable for us or only, which is more frustrating than totally unusable is, oh, if it only not had the bridge that said, oh, I, you know, I, I was so brokenhearted till I met you and now I'm happy. You know, right. having those two negative lines in the song can make it virtually unplaceable for a particular kind of Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's so frustrating when you hear something that's recorded well and it's an amazing song, you know, whereas the instrumental version might be perfect. So it's, you know, mastered instrumentals are really important for you to have. You can double or even, you know, better than that, the amount of money that you're making in licensing if you have mastered instrumentals. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, and and yeah, I know we were talking about it earlier, but there is just such a huge difference, I think, between uh, somebody who makes albums for a living and uh, somebody yeah. who's got a Pro Tools rig yeah. and some talent. You know, there just is a sonic yeah. difference. You know, the fans may still love that pretty, pretty all right album that you made yourself, but I mm-hmm. think. Uh, like for what you're talking about, it really, it really does, uh, as you said, need to be radio ready. And a producer, I, I think, is yeah. is key for everybody. It's so worth it. And so many people try to skip that step because on the surface, it is a little expensive. You know, it might cost you $10,000 yeah. uh, to put that album together. But, uh, you know, you probably spent more than that in gear. And it's the album that's going to not only... Uh, stand the test of time, but it's also going to—it's it's your shot at re- recouping that ten thousand um, dollars. Yeah, well, so. and the other beautiful thing about licensing is you don't need an album if you don't have right. ten thousand dollars. But you want to do—you have one kick-ass song that you really feel is just incredibly strong, and you can hire a great producer. Which there are a lot of great Grammy award-winning producers who will work with independent artists for a lot less than they're charging their superstar clients. So, you know, it's not impossible to find a fantastic producer um, for your project. But if you only want to do one or two or three songs at a time, it will cost you a lot less than $10,000, and you can make that money back in licensing. You know, and, That's a good and point. you know, you don't have to do an album for this. And, you know, I, I think one of the, the other things, which is, you know, they can also use, if they do, like, that one amazing song, they can use it, you know, with, with all the material that you're teaching, you know, for their website or, you know, the squeeze page. They can use that amazing song for that as well. You know, sure. put them in with your best song. And the same goes with licensing. Like, put out your best stuff because, you know, nothing short of that is, is going to be. There's so much competition now. There's so much, and there are so many independent artists who are as good, if not better, than a lot of major label artists. That there's there's no room for mediocrity, for sure. Sure, sure. When yeah. someone's approaching music licensing as a whole, uh, you know, because obviously, as you mentioned, there are different types of licensing companies. You deal with uh, yeah. photographers. I'm assuming there's a huge business for wedding photographers and their wedding yeah. videographers and things like that. So probably love songs are quite popular mm-hmm. in, yeah. in, in with with your company, but that's not going to be the same, perhaps, with a video right. game music license. Exactly. Company. Yeah, they might do better with you know hard rock and heavy metal. We, we you know we tend not to license as much of that song. Especially for say a wedding video, um, but for me, right. corporate clients, actually, some of them really like that kind of thing. Or for like a you know a sports video, that could do really well. Um, but right. yeah, for video games, it's a whole other you know it's a, it's a whole other you know, ball game really. Well, how conscious should someone be about the genre of the music they're making? Should they just record the music that they make as an artist and then go and try and find a home for it, or should they realize that look, there are a couple of areas of strength there. There are a couple of genres, a couple of themes that are going to tend to do better across the board um, at, at licensing um, in terms of landing licensing opportunities. You know, how how, how much yeah. thought should be put into that? I think I think it depends on what kind of an artist you are. Um, I tend to be a kind of a purist romantic at heart, so I think just make the music that's in your heart, and, you know, but make it right. really awesome and and find a home for it. Now, that is 
great if that's the kind of artist you are and you're doing a lot of other things. But if you are just recording all the time, like a lot of the composers that I know, they are composing and recording and that's all they do. They may want to have a, a challenge and to write different kinds of music for different kinds of licensing companies. Um, as long as you're doing an excellent job at that, I say go for it. Sure. So, yeah, sure. it's just, it really depends. You know, some people, they just don't have it in them to, you know, they might think of it as selling out, which I don't, I don't believe in, in the whole selling out thing anyway. But, you know, some people have a harder time doing something that's, say, not in their heart than others. That being said, you know, we're not licensing a lot of negative love songs, you know, which is right. almost everything that I personally write. You're, you know, <laughs> are you <so laughs> sure? Sure. Sweet, that, that bittersweet song, you know. There's, you know, with our particular um, customer base, you know, happier sounding songs, even if they're instrumental, tend to do better. But that may not be true for someone who's licensing television and film. So your heartbreaking, you know, heartbreaking ballad might be really great. So, you know, I would hate to discourage anyone from doing what's really in their heart just for the purpose of trying to license. But I, I do think there's a place out there for most really well-written, well-recorded material. Gotcha. So you, you genuinely think there's a, a licensing opportunity for the most avant-garde, you know, punk band versus uh, country band versus mm-hmm. mainstream pop. There, there's an opportunity for yeah. everybody. They just got to search in different yeah. places. I don't think genre is, important, is as important as quality. Quality is huge, and I can find examples in all of those genre that you just mentioned that would not make the cut, say for my company, and that would. Right. So right, it really right. has more to do with song craft and recording quality, vocal quality, all that kind of stuff. Now, do people need to, is it crucial that they have an instrumental track as well? I mean, you mentioned opportunities for instrumentals as completely separate pieces, but uh, in order, you know, often editors are looking for that instrumental track so that they can uh, drop the vocals out for, for a moment when someone's actually talking in the video or whatever the case may be. Is it, are there any requirements? Is it crucial that they have those um, instrumental tracks to go along with it do they you, you see in some of the uh, bigger song libraries where they're intentionally crafting uh i don't know what you actually call them i don't know what the terms are but those little it might they might have a song and then they've got just the intro bit that ends and then yeah. an outro bit of the song that ends so you could use it as bumper music if you wanted to mm-hmm. are people right. is it common or is it expected by many music licensing companies that an artist come prepared with anything more than one mastered track um i'm not Sure, if, if it's, it's definitely not required by our company, and I've never, as an artist, worked with a company that it was required from, but they've always been very happy that I've had instrumentals. Um, I even had a situation, I licensed a song to Sexy City way back when, and they came back and said, hey, there's this part where Carrie's going to be typing on her bed, and we need you to end it on a different chord, which is the weird right. thing. So we went in, and my producer, we opened the throat to open strum the C chord and on top of the neck and said that that, I mean, it was the weirdest thing. So you never know what they're going to ask for. It's always good if you can have instrumental tracks. Even if you can't get them mastered, I mean, the best thing is to have them mastered. But even if you have to do what, you know, what I refer to as a dummy mastering, you know, somebody doing yeah. kind of on photos of raising the levels, at least having that is very helpful for you. I haven't seen anybody get turned away, but there may be companies that will only take a vocal if there's an instrumental as well. I, I just personally don't know about that. Gotcha. Um, and uh, by the way, on that front, are they different sync fees? If you if somebody wants the instrumental as well, is it are they licensing two tracks or are you including it with the same licensing fee? With my company, they are two different tracks. They, they each get a licensing fee, a separate fee. With other companies, I think sometimes they're bundled as part of one track. Okay. Um, so I think it depends on the company. Gotcha. All right. And um, we talked a little bit about the, you know, whether or not it was a numbers game in terms of how many services you submit to. But what about the the, the number of songs that you're actually submitting? Because I've heard of different models. I know obviously mm-hmm. there are a lot of artists who just, they are making albums for fans. And then they're also trying to generate some revenue off of licensing from those albums. And then there are other people that are just 
their producers and they're cranking out songs for these licensing libraries and they they might have two or three hundred songs out there uh each one generating a little bit of revenue as opposed to one generating a lot uh, is it a numbers game does a person have to have 200 songs out there or uh is it okay if they've only got two songs out there can can they still make a a, a comparable amount of money with you know, a small number of songs, or is the large or catalog a, a big part of being successful with music licensing? No, it's it's a little bit of both. Um, if you only have two songs versus a hundred songs, there's going to be a difference unless one of those two songs is just perfect for this particular marketplace. That right. being said, most artists do have one, two, or three songs that just significantly outperform the other songs for whatever reason. People just right. seem to latch on to that song. Everybody wants to license that song. It's perfect for this particular market. Um, I experienced that myself as an artist, and I see it on our site as well. You know, certain artists, there's one or two or three songs that just everybody wants, and they have a lot of other great songs, but just for whatever reason, they don't seem to be the ones that license so you sure. definitely don't have to have 100 songs up there, but you, you know, to a certain degree, you, you do, you know, you do have better chances for people to be discovering your music and hearing it if you do have more than two songs. So it's gotcha. cool, but <laughs> right, right. So. Um... An artist, you know, they submit their, let's go back to use Triple Scoop as the example here. An artist signs up with Triple Scoop. They submitted their music and they're, they're in the search engine. And I, I know from our conversations that it's a largely mm-hmm. search engine based sort of platform. You've got a website yeah. where photographers are coming. You're going out there marketing to photographers and bringing them to the site. And uh, they're searching through your database for songs. Now, as someone who's quite familiar with search engine optimization and YouTube uh, search engine optimization, there are a lot of factors that help one uh, property rise to the top. Is that true with uh, um, a music licensing site like yours? Is there anything, because obviously let's say you, you mentioned, I don't remember if it was in our conversation or in this call, they, there was something like 20,000 songs in Mm-hmm. Triple Scoop alone, and you're and you're a boutique agency, so that's a lot of music, and there that's a lot of love songs. You know, obviously they're not all love songs. <laughs> well, they're not all a, love songs, but yeah. No, of course, of course they're not. But you've got a there's a I'm gonna guess there's, there's five thousand love songs in there. <laughs> so how does one stand? How does and and yet you mentioned that one is often rising to the top at multiple mm-hmm. uh, companies and multiple services. So. They're, I, I'm imagining that the average photographer is not listening to 5,000 songs to find that right one, and yet some are rising yeah. to the top. So what is there anything that an artist should be aware of that can help their song rise to the top? And if not, what is it that causes one song to rise to the top amongst thousands of other, others and yet rise to the top at multiple platforms? You know, is there is a song title part of it? Is That's a million-dollar question. I wish I knew the answer to that because I'd write that song right now. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I mean, I think it depends, you know, with different services, I think it depends. You know, with our service, um, photographers and other customers, you know, regardless if they're a photographer, videographer, you know, small business, they will choose their the way that they search. So they may be searching um, by genre. They might want a rock song that's, um, you know, up-tempo and happy. So they can mm-hmm. choose all of those parameters and that, you know, that will, you know, determine, you know, if your song is chosen or not, if it's, you know, it's got those characteristics. Um, you know, I different companies have different ways of say, featuring certain songs, featuring certain artists. Um, you know, that's, you've you got to start a great song, but I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to answer that question. because I, It's kind of like, what makes a hit song? It's not a formula necessarily um well are there any yeah. factors that influence the uh the the algorithm of your search engine for example uh, mm. uh are there keywords that cause it to rise to the top if somebody if it's been licensed oh, more than others mean, yeah. does that cause it to rise to the top are there are there those options that an artist can select like up tempo and things like that are are there terms that you see coming up mm-hmm. in almost every search you know are there uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I wish it was that simple. It's it's not that simple, and we we definitely don't see the same 
certain, you know, items coming up right. in every search. And we do, we license a wide variety of music. It's right. not just love songs, even though we started with wedding photographers. Even wedding photographers don't all want love songs. It's really interesting. I mean, what we thought was licensed when we started the company nine years ago is so different from where we are now. Like, I never would have thought we would be licensing as much electronica and down-tempo kind of music as we do. It's, right. it's very interesting. So I wish I had the magic <laughs> answer to that. And it's different for different companies, I think. Maybe at another sure. company, if you had a certain kind of song or you tagged it a certain kind of way, it would, you know, it would rise to the top. But um, it, it's just not that simple. And I know, you know, some companies... They will allow you to provide the metadata for your music. Mm-hmm. Um, we we do all of the tagging of me- metadata ourselves at Triple Six Music because uh, okay. we found that artists aren't that reliable when it comes to judging their no, own I, music. <laughs> I think that I think that's smart. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so we want everything to be as you know as reliable and as accurate as possible. Um, yeah. It, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but it's something that resonates with people. Right. Yeah. And I just, I we'll wish just, I could give you a more <laughs> clear answer than that. No, no, fair. No, totally fair. I'm just trying to get, yeah, get to the bottom of it. Yeah. And just to belabor, yeah. belabor the point or question a little bit more. I mean, do you yeah. think that song title plays much of a factor? For example, if someone's looking for a love song and they see a song title, love song in yeah. the key of C versus mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, we went to the park or whatever. I'm yeah. you know, silly yeah. song titles, but do they go, oh, well, hey, I'm looking for a love song. So I'm clicking on that. Do you notice uh-huh. anything with the songs that are doing well, at least with your service where, you know, these titles are really speaking to what the song is uh, and all of yeah. our hits, or do you see any com- commonality mm, there? I, any, anything, any action that someone can take beyond yeah, the song at all? I haven't, I haven't noticed that, but it can't hurt. You're you sure. know, when a whole bunch of, when a whole bunch of song titles come up, if it's bathtub number three versus, you know, I love you, honey, <laughs> you know, right. it's going to be different. Um, so it definitely can't hurt. That being said, I really think, you know, yeah, a customer will maybe click on the song first if it says, you know, I love you, honey. But if that song doesn't sound as good as Bathtub Number 3, they're going to buy Bathtub Number 3. It's sure. really down to the music. It really is. I mean, it's much more. And that's good news for the artist because it means it's not about name recognition. It's not about who right. the artist is. It, and it's not about necessarily what they're calling their music. It's just about how it sounds and how it supports the project that it's being used for. Because it's really right. used in tandem. It's like a film score in that it's really being used to support imagery or video. And, and it, you know, the, the quality of music plus a high-quality image or video, I mean, it's just transformative. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's kind of equals more than the sum of its separate parts. No, yeah, completely. And, it, it, it. and it's the difference between something, you know, coming off as professional or not, even even if it is yeah. a professionally recorded song, um, yeah. if it's the right, if it captures the right thing and, it, and the production mm-hmm. is on that really high level, it, the project comes off as is being more professional than it would otherwise. I know I'm always looking for yeah. uh, podcast music and things and the stuff that mm-hmm. I want is always this kind of, you know, I'm I'm throwing the devil horns here in the in the area which you can't see, yes. but you know rock ah! rock with a with a K at the end, kind of right. Steel Panther infused kind of rock <laughs> yeah. rock rock and roll stuff, yeah. and I can't find it. Like I can't. I maybe I'm well, searching in the talk. wrong. We'll, we'll yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, maybe I'm looking in the wrong song libraries. I was gonna say, <laughs> but I, I I can't seem to find the right stuff. I'm always finding this. It'll it's it's completely the wrong genre and i've i've spent probably if you added it all up several hours looking for for music and i just i'm yeah. yet to find a single song worth licensing it was always not quite right so yeah. um but well, yeah in my that. experience <laughs> sounds good in my that's, what, that's why we're here I and mean, that's what the problem professional photographers had nine years ago there was right. nothing there was nothing that was catering towards them that was something that was affordable for them yet that enabled artists to make some money off of their music. You know, it was and everything out there that that they could find crap just, you know, quote unquote royalty free music that sounded like 
some guy, you know, in his basement on a Casio. You know, yeah, and that's just that's just not what independent music is. You know, when I heard that, I'm like, we could do something for these people. There's so much great music out there. You know, right. there really is. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about money. How how much? Yeah. Well, for starters, like, what are the average fees that the photographer is mm-hmm. paying, and what kind of money is there to be made for the artist? Yeah. So uh, we started our business with a sixty dollar license, which is the professional photographer license, where they can use the song for their what we call a personal project, which is say like a wedding video for a personal client. It's not for their if they had any. Um, corporate client or business client, that's not what it's for. It's for their like, wedding clients, you know, quinceanera, if they, if they do a bat mitzvah, that kind of thing, they can use that for videos for their, their customers and, and um, on their website and to market their own company. And that's a $60 license. Um, the licensing fee with our company is always split 50-50 with the artist. And um, we've since expanded to have licenses small business, corporate licenses, charity licenses, and that kind of thing, um, going on up to, you know, some television, some film here and there. Um, and the licensing is from $60 and up. Mm-hmm. And what is the end up? How how much are you potentially charging for a license? Um, I mean, the size of the limit in terms of depending on what kind of say, television or film, you know, that we have. Right. But generally on the website... You know, I, I don't have everything right in front of me. We've just expanded to more licenses. Um, but we've got licenses that are, you know, $200, um, you know, per video. Say for like a, a corporate video, um, you know, that would be just a per one-time license. Um, so it, it, the, the fee really depends on what the usage is going to be. So, right. uh, you know, that, that's how it goes with those different kinds of licenses on the side. And everything's that really clear both the customer and the artist to see right on the, on the website. Gotcha. And and I don't know if you can talk about these finances or not, but can you give uh, people listening any kind of a sense of how much could potentially be earned? Obviously, some are going to earn none, but you know, do you have any numbers yeah. that some of your better earners might be bringing in, uh, or the, the checks you might be cutting uh, to them? That you mm-hmm. know, their their share each each month. Like, what kind of money is possible? Yeah, well, we pay on a quarterly basis. Um, some okay. other licensing services do every like six months, or I don't know if anybody does monthly, but that was gotcha. insane. Okay. I think <laughs> business wise, but we pay every quarter, and it's, it's my favorite. Actually, it's my favorite time of the year because one of my personal goals, just in everything that I do, I love empowering other artists, and I love right. one of the reasons we started this company is to abolished a poverty mindset among artists. And I know you feel the same way because of what you do, you know? Sure. And I think it's so important for artists who are doing high quality work to get compensated, you know, it's a passion of mine. So back to the, to the royalties and the, you know, we do have a wide range of potential earnings, you know, down from, like you said, there are people who don't license at all, or, you know, on a quarter. And there are people who, you know, they could earn enough to buy a nice dinner. They could earn several hundred dollars. And we have artists who are making many thousands of dollars per quarter. So right. it really runs the gamut. It's a pretty wide range. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, and you can see how it can add up, obviously, if you did, you know, mm-hmm. cover the different, if you went to five different uh, music licensing services, you know, one going after mm-hmm. video games, one going after advertising opportunities, one going yeah. after television or film, one going after photographers and, and so forth. Uh, if if each one was even just generating a few thousand dollars a quarter, you know, that ends up to being some, yeah. or even, even a few hundred for that matter, it ends up being significant at the end of the year when you tally it all up. It um, does, and you know, we've got artists. I, my favorite thing is hearing from artists when they're, you know, really happy with their checks. You know, we got a, a note from one of our artists who relocated from New Jersey, I think it was, to Ireland, and she wrote us a letter saying, you know, this check just paid for my trip home to visit with my sister on her birthday, and she's like, thank you so much. And like that to me is like, oh my god, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that, you know. So that's why we're there, you know. Sure. So. Um, if it's all right with you, uh, I've I put this uh, note up or a post up on Facebook the other day and yeah. the Music Marketing Manifesto page, just asking if I, I mentioned that I was going to be speaking with you and asked if anyone had any questions uh, for you. And so I've got a few questions. Uh, some of them may fall into your wheelhouse. Some of them may, maybe not so much, but if you don't mind, I, I, I would uh, love just to shoot some of these at you and get your kind of take. Um, 
on on the answer, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. So this first one, um, I hope I'm saying the name right, Nothri, uh, he, he, it's sort of a broad question, but he asked, what is the best way to get music licensed for internet radio play as a radio station? Do you have any uh, insight into internet radio internet, play? That really doesn't fall in my wheelhouse, unfortunately. I wish I could answer that. He and wants I, to get his music on to internet radio? Well, yeah, you know, I think there might or be a misunderstanding that's a, that's a good question. I, I read it to mean he wanted to get. Um, I was thinking that he misunderstood the term uh, of music licensing. Mm-hmm. He was looking for radio play, but no, he does say as a radio station. So maybe oh, let's take that station. on. Let's, let's say he's got a radio station, perhaps yeah. an internet radio station, and he's looking for to license music, maybe to use as bumper music or things like that. You know, do you have any? Um, I, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, let's, I, let's I'm just not say sure. that. It depends question. on what he's asking. Um, well, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that as well uh, as a yeah. podcaster. What does somebody do if they want to license music uh, for something like that that is going they, to potentially yeah, be yeah. heard over and over again? You can certainly, as a podcast, you can certainly license music from services like ours. There's definitely services that do that. And, you know, with any of these services, you can always email them and ask. If you don't see what you're looking for, you know, right away, like if you are an internet radio station or a podcast and you don't see that particular license, you can always email these companies and they'll get back to you about, you know, what they can offer you, what the terms are, or if they even cover it at all. So that's something to always remember. Sure, sure. So, yeah, I wish I had a better uh, answer. I'm not sure exactly what he's asking, but... Yeah. Fair enough. Um, fair enough. Uh, this uh, next question actually came in via email. There was someone having trouble posting on uh, Facebook for some reason, and uh, I don't know. I laughed. No, no, no offense. <laughs> um, but it wasn't it wasn't working for him. So uh, he sent in uh, an email. Uh, his name is Neil, and he asked. It's a good question. My question is how to get uh, into music licensing while avoiding ripoffs. He sees a lot of Craigslist postings that make him leery. Uh, he's had uh, he mentioned some uh, success licensing one song on an, uh, with an online company, but do you have any mm-hmm. advice there? Like, is this a big problem? Craig Are there a lot of people scamming artists uh, for music licensing services that you're aware of? I, I'm not aware of that, but yeah, I wouldn't go through Craigslist to license music for sure. Not because there are so many reputable companies out there doing it. Um, I don't. I have never investigated the whole Craigslist thing for music licensing, but yeah, I would be a little bit wary of that myself. Yeah, you could imagine this being ripe with people preying mm-hmm. on musicians in this in, yeah. in this sense that um, uh, that all you need to say is, "Hey, I'm going to submit your music to all these." Uh, services and then not doing anything but taking their money uh, and, and saying sorry. No well, no one should, and, and that's no one should be taking your money. Period. No, right. but no one. When someone signs with Triple Script Music, there is no money exchanged. The only money that's ever exchanged is when you earn a royalty, we send you money. So, and as far as I'm concerned, that's how music licensing companies operate. There's, there's the artist should never have to pay to submit directly to a licensing company. Now, I know there are services like taxi and things like that that uh, licensing companies can work with, and I'm not saying that's not reputable, but we've certainly used services like that in the past. But if you're dealing directly with a music licensing company, you should not be paying them money. That's not a I, – I, I don't think that's a good business model for the artist. Right, right. Well, and that's really good advice. Um but that does lead into another question. You touched on it. Somebody mm-hmm. specifically asked uh, how to get involved without shelling yeah. out big bucks to services yeah. like Taxi. This comes from Robert. Um, yeah. you know, he mentions Taxi specifically, and obviously neither one of us want to cast any negative light in Taxi. They're, no, they're no. a very well-established well service, but they do charge uh, yeah. to get your and sometimes music considered. Valuable. Yeah. Sure. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, I... I know many people who have worked for Taxi, and they are a reputable company, and they do get people in touch with great opportunities. But if you don't want to spend money on that, you don't have to. You can find music licensing companies online. You can, you know, email directly with them or apply via a web form. You may not get a personal email. Not all companies work that way. But um, you can certainly, you know, and there are companies that don't screen your music. I mean, we have a very high bar for accepting music, and we're very selective. There are some companies that allow you to just 
upload your songs onto their website. And, you know, those are, I think, generally the companies that have hundreds of thousands of tracks. Um, so I'm not sure how successful any one particular artist might be with them, but it's out there, and it doesn't cost the artist money. And just, you right. know, before, and the, the other thing to look out for is whether you meet someone on Craigslist or what have you, or you're dealing with a reputable company, read the contract and don't sign it until you understand everything. And if somebody's not willing to explain it to you, or if you can't, you know, get an attorney to explain to you, if you can't understand it, don't sign it. Or if it doesn't seem right for you and you're not comfortable with it, don't sign it. Sure. Good There's advice. a lot of opportunities out there, yeah. Well, uh, and this this final question comes from Randy. He says, uh, "What uh, what's the startup cost uh, for for music licensing, and what, at what point should an artist consider licensing?" So, um, uh, we've talked we've touched on various points of this, but what's your advice there for Randy? Startup cost meaning how much? Do, I mean, the cost of producing a track, I guess I would say. In terms yeah, of yeah. Licensing, not, not the startup cost of my company. <laughs> No, I do. I do think he means uh, for himself as an artist getting yeah, into this yeah. game. I mean, the cost of producing a song. I, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing. You know, you you don't have to pay any submission fees. You don't have to have a website. I mean, it's great if you do, and it's great if you have an active career as a musician. But if you have amazing music, that's the beauty of music licensing. Is they don't care how old you are. They don't care what you look like. They don't. You know, they don't care how many fans you have. Sometimes they do. In film and TV, they do care if you have a lot of fans because it's so competitive. Sometimes, you know, if there's a lot of great songs, maybe they would take that into consideration. Oh, how much of a fan base do they have? Maybe they can help our tracker to our Facebook page, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. That's the way business works. But generally, in music licensing, it's all about the song. Right. Really about the song. And that's what's great. Well, cool. Um, yeah, and there's a beauty to that for sure. Uh, there actually was one other question, and this is this is I know this isn't your area of expertise necessarily, but I'm sure as an artist and certainly as someone in the industry, you probably do have some insight into it, and I'm sure it's on the minds of many people listening. Um, Alice asks, basically, I'm just sort of paraphrasing here. She just wants to know, uh, you know, how to get your licensed music out uh, in movies and internet. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, where are we going here? I'm trying to paraphrase it, and I'm screwing the question up. Uh, she wants to know how to get her music into movies and commercials. There we go. Uh, any yeah. any advice on more traditional music licensing? But yeah, throw I mean, TV there are into companies, the mix there as well. There are definitely companies that do that. I would just ask your artist friends for which companies, if if they know anybody who's had success, like I said before, and and Google, and you know, you can also. There are advertising agencies that work with different music houses, and there's just, you know, you can type music supervisor into Google as well, and you see which music supervisors are working with, with which, with you know, certain television shows. I mean, you can you can bypass a licensing company completely if you want. It's a lot of work, and it's a it's a whole other part time or full time job to submit music individually to music supervisors of different television shows. But if you have the drive and you have the right kind of music, you can do that. You can find out who is the music supervisor for that show that you think is the perfect show for your song, and you can reach out directly to them. You know, you can – it requires research on the Internet, but so much, you know, so does finding a great gig in a new town. It's the same kind of research. Sure. So that would be my my suggestion to to research licensing companies for advertising for a particular – you know, I'm not – I don't have that information on the top of my head. What would be like the best advertising company for an independent artist? Um, that's not really where my specialty is. Um, but yeah, they've got they're out there for sure. Well, cool. Great. I appreciate you taking the time to answer those questions. And then uh, my my final, I suppose, question is, you know, let's, let's relate this all back to Triple Scoop. If somebody is interested in submitting their music to you and Triple Scoop music, how do they go about it? Do you have any particular criteria? Are there are types of artists that you're looking for and, you know, really just what's that process? Yeah. Um, well, I would say there's three steps for submitting music to Triple Scoop music. The first would be to check out our website, and, and which is actually about to be completely overhauled. But you know, right now it's, it's you know it's 
it's going strong. And it's triplescoopmusic.com. And you'll get an idea of the ways that our customers can search for music. And um, we have different collections and different styles and themes. And you can kind of get a sense for where we are as a company, who we've worked with, and the different kinds of artists that we represent. Um, if you're interested in submitting your music, it's important to know that we handpick every song. Um, if it's vocal music, generally, we work with positive lyrics. We really don't license much of anything with negative lyrics. Um, so we're really looking for vocal music that's positive, as well as instrumental tracks that are incredibly well-produced and well-mastered. That goes for all the tracks. Um, and then if you if you think that you might be a good match for Triple Scoop, you can send an email to artists at triplescoopmusic.com, and that's the plural artists, at triplescoopmusic.com with a link to your SoundCloud account um, or a link to where we can hear your music. Um, do not send an MP3. Um, or you can send a link to your iTunes page for your album or just your very best two or three songs so we can get an idea of your very best songs. And then we just ask that you're patient because we have many people emailing us every day and sometimes it can take a while for us to get back to you. Um, and, you know, we're, we're looking for fully recorded, mixed, mastered songs. We're not looking for demos. As great as the songs may be, it's just it's not a usable format for us. And that's pretty much it. Gotcha. And can someone submit a single song or do, do yeah. they need a collection can, of songs? They can submit a single song, but generally we're signing artists with at least three songs. So, three, you know, okay. we prefer, you know, because it's a lot of work to kind of add a new artist to the system and all that. And we'd like to do that for, you know, at least three songs. Um, but uh, okay. yeah, most, most so people generally number, yeah. have at least three. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great. And are, and are you are they expected to bring artwork to the table if someone has not got an album out and commercially to support these tracks? No, no. We okay. can use a picture of the artist. You know, we, we cross that bridge when we get to it, but it, we don't have to have album artwork. We can have a logo or a photo. That's fine. Um, okay. We, we'll find a way to make that work. Well, great. Any parting advice for uh, everyone listening, uh, all these musicians out here who realize there's a ton of money out there in the world of music licensing and are just really unsure of the first steps they should take? Yeah, just just go for it and you know do your research and just make the best music and the best recordings you can and, and put everything you've got into it. That's you know heart and soul and all of your musicality and you know, it's, it's it's a big world out there, and there is a lot of opportunity for people. And I know people like to say, you know, the business is broken, and you know, there's you know, there's no money for artists anymore. It's impossible to make a living. But you know, I don't operate on that. <laughs> I'm not believing. I, you know, no, I think there really is opportunity out there, and we can do a lot for ourselves. We can all do a lot for ourselves, and this is just one of the things that we can do for ourselves, in addition to you know, doing the this online selling that you're helping people with, you know, in addition to touring and all that kind of stuff. You know, this is just one more piece of the puzzle that you can really get working working for you and you don't need more than a few songs to get started. Awesome. Well, great parting words. I really appreciate you being here. Thanks very much again. We've been talking to Ali Handel from Triple Scoop Music, and that's triplescoopmusic.com. And she also gave her email address there as as to how you can reach her, uh, or you can oh, just that, head on over to the site. By the way. <laughs> sure, sure. Sorry, my apologies. How you can submit your music? There we go. Um, good, good clarification. Suddenly, the the submission box is swamped with personal uh, comments and feedback based on the interview, but. Anyway, thanks very much. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, th thanks for sharing your wisdom with everyone here at musicmarketingmanifesto.com. All right. Thanks, John. All right. Once again, that was Allie Handel from Triple Scoop Music. A sincere thank you to Allie for joining us here in the podcast and sharing her insight into music licensing. Uh, if you want to learn more about Triple Scoop Music uh, or investigate submitting your own music, then you can do so uh, once more at triplescoopmusic.com. And as I said at the beginning of the show, if you haven't already, be sure to connect with both myself and Music Marketing Manifesto on our respective <laughs> social media profiles. You can connect with uh, Music Marketing Manifesto Manifesto on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash music marketing manifesto. And you can connect with me on Twitter uh, by just going to twitter.com forward slash John Ojaka. That's username John Ojaka. Good luck trying to spell that. Uh, and while you're at it, uh, connect with me on Periscope as well. Same username as Twitter. 
So that's about it for today. If you enjoyed this episode, then do me a favor, head on over to iTunes and leave a review. You just go on uh, over to iTunes, open up iTunes, type in Music Marketing Manifesto, and you'll find the podcast, and then you leave a review. It's as simple as that, and those reviews really help. They help with the uh, whole iTunes search algorithm. They make the show more popular, and uh, when the show's more popular, we get more listeners, and there's more incentive to keep making these episodes for you guys. So do that for me if you would. And uh, as always, you can find a ton of additional content over at musicmarketingmanifesto.com. There's the Music Marketing uh, Blueprint free uh, 40-minute presentation that really gives you an in-depth look at all of the the marketing techniques that I sort of teach and recommend. And uh, there's a a ton of free content there that will help you and any independent musician who's looking to uh, get more results, ultimately sell more music. So check it out. And uh, until next time, thanks so much for listening. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast with John Ojaka. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint.